Today's sermon topic is crankiness. Now, hopefully you haven't experienced too much of that stuck at home during this winter weather this week. But if you did, you are in good company. There is a cranky thread that runs through the Bible. Take, for example, the older brother of the prodigal son. He couldn't believe that his father not only forgave his screw-up of a brother, but welcomed him home with open arms and a big feast. Or, remember Jesus' parable of the day laborers in the vineyard. Some had worked all day while others came late, and they all got paid a full day's wage. The people who worked all day grumbled, as you would, and the owner simply said, Are you envious because I am generous? In both cases, the head character is a stand-in for God who bestows grace extravagantly to all, despite the fact that some are more worthy than others. And this makes people cranky. It violates our sense of what's just or fair. And this is a particular sticking point when we deem ourselves the ones who are more worthy or righteous than others. We think there should be some kind of reckoning in our favor, some kind of vindication. And when we don't get it, we are prone to crankiness, sometimes bitterness. So today, we consider arguably the crankiest prophet in the Bible, Jonah, who struggled mightily with this. There are other adjectives than cranky that we could use for him. Stubborn, narrow-minded, downright petulant. He's great fun, really. His story is a tall tale. It's full of humor and crazy hyperbole. He is the one who landed in the belly of a whale, and that happened because God wanted to send him on a mission, and Jonah literally ran in the opposite direction. Even getting on a boat to escape, through a series of events in a storm, Jonah ended up in the great fish, who unceremoniously threw him up on the shore, which put Jonah back on track for the divine mission he was trying to avoid in the first place. And that was to go to Nineveh, where our story picks up today. Nineveh, a great Assyrian city, the city of the Israelites' enemies, to be exact. We're told that it was a huge city, three days' walk across, which, by the way, is highly doubtful, given the archaeological record. This is a story of hyperbole. Then, when he was just one day in, Jonah, all Jonah said was, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. It was a one-line sermon that didn't mention God, and I'd love to try that on a Sunday sometime. (laughs) Now, in a shocking turn of events, the whole city immediately repented, adults and children alike. The king declared a kingdom-wide fast, and in a delightful detail, even the cows put on sackcloth and ashes. God relented on whatever punishment God had planned, and Jonah couldn't stand it. He hadn't wanted to go in the first place, and he sure didn't want to see his enemies spared, and now in good standing with the God of Israel. So he went and pouted outside of the city. 
God and Jonah got into an argument about a bush that God had nicely provided to shade Jonah in his self-assigned time out. He snapped at God, suggesting that it would be better for Jonah to die than to live. He also was prone to a little exaggeration. And finally, God says at the end of the story, Should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 people who do not know their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Wise closing words compared to the childish mood of the prophet. It is a fantastic story, and we cheer at the end when Jonah gets his comeuppance. We're clearly meant to side with God on this one, seeing how wonderful it is that God would be gracious even to Ninevites. And that's all well and good, until we realize that the same principle applies to our enemies as well. To those who disagree with us, those who are different, those who hate us, those we don't like, and those who vote oppositely from us. This lesson applies particularly in an election year. The story of Jonah is meant to shine a light into our, onto our own crankiness, our own hard-heartedness, and our own narrow-mindedness. This is the uncomfortable side of God's grace. We can only side with God for so long before we realize that there are hatreds and biases in us that grace won't tolerate. The good news of Jonah's struggle is that in the final scene, in which Jonah is sulking and nursing his hard heart, God's grace has the last word. There is an important honesty in all of this. We cannot heal what we don't acknowledge, and we cannot grow if we stay too comfortable. If we bring Christ into this conversation, it's important to recognize the power that Christ has to transform us. We gather around this table in all of our sometimes cranky glory. We bring whatever divisions or judgments we walk around with, often holding pretty tightly to them. When we share the Eucharist together, the same God who loved both the Israelites and the Ninevites welcomes us all to the same table. It's a place where our hearts can be transformed and our divisions healed. We learn to see God's gracious concern for all, for people we think are on the right and the wrong side of things. That grace should make us uncomfortable at times, because it makes demands on our occasionally hard hearts, just like it did on Jonah's. And like faithful and problematic Jonah, when all is said and done, we wouldn't really have it any other way, would we? This particular biblical witness has prophetic power to counter the large-scale conflicts in, our, in the world that we read about every day. And it also has the power to speak to the microaggressions of our hearts that largely go unspoken and unnoticed. The good news is meant to heal on small scales and large on Jonah, and on the great city of Nineveh. So if you do ever find yourself feeling cranky or maybe a little self-righteous like Jonah, 
that's probably a good sign that God is trying to break through with a reminder of how grace actually works. Should I not be concerned about Nineveh, God once asked. Grace is always bigger than we are, and we wouldn't have it any other way.